Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I am back. Lisa Lorette West, licensed clinical social worker. And Happy she's back, to be here. Back, back. Thanks, Miss Lisa. <laughs> Coming up on the podcast today. Well, it's National Multi-Ethnic Donor Awareness Month, and we'll be talking to one of our own about donation conversations with families. Excited to hear from Siobhan. And on the mental health section, we're going to be talking about when should you seek professional help? All that and more right here. The Gifted Life Podcast, thegiftedlife.org. Here on the Gifted Life Podcast, we are excited to introduce all of you to one of our very own. Do you want to do the honors, Joe? I would. So, uh, of course, with us, we have one of our own tissue family advocates, Siobhan Trahon, who's been with- Should have been followed with applause. Like we should have- Yay! Uh, yay. <laughs> and actually, and actually, and I say that, Siobhan, down in Lafayette, I'm from St. Martinville, so we pronounce it Trahon. So do you pronounce it Trahon or Trahan? No, I'm a Trahon all the way. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Cajun country, yeah. Cajun okay. country down south. Um, it's so funny because whenever I call my brother um, who lives in Georgia and I'm speaking to my niece, um, who's six going on 26. And I said, Ryan, what is your name? And she tells me, Ryan Janai Trahan. And I look at my brother and I'm like, what did you do to her? I was like, <laughs> you are a Trahan. <laughs> so it's, it's always funny to hear her, you know, pronounce her last name because poor thing, she doesn't know better. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, we appreciate you coming on the, the Gifted Life, as Joey mentioned, tissue family advocate, also part of LOPA's um, EDI, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Group as well. And uh, prepping for the, the interview, um, everybody just loves you. They love what you're doing here at LOPA, and we know that you help so many families. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk to you about. Uh, this is National Multi-Ethnic Donor Awareness Month, and we were hoping to learn from you, ma'am. So tell us a little bit about your role here at LOPA and what you're most proud of. Um, so as a tissue family advocate, um, one of my first roles is, you know, to check in on families shortly after they lose a loved one. Um, you know, see if they've made it home safely, you know, see if they have some support with them. Um, and then eventually we transition into that conversation on, you know, the purpose of my call is to let them know how their loved one has that rare opportunity that this life-saving um, opportunity to help someone else for their legacy to continue to live on through others, um, you know, through those gifts of tissue and eye donation. Um, any questions that they have, you know, we let them know that nothing in regards to donation interferes with like open casket services, um, you know, they can, anything that they had previously planned can still continue to go on. Um, it wouldn't cause their funeral arrangements to go, you know, any extended uh, period of time because, you know, everything is done through the, the course of night. I mean, I work at night. Um, it, it has to start taking place within, you know, 24 hours of their passing. And so usually their loved one is, you know, back to the funeral home or we bring them to the funeral home of their family's choice either by the, the next day at the, the longest the day after, um, just depending on what the funeral home that they select, you know, wants. 
since we work, you know, so closely with all of the funeral homes across the state. And those are the logistics that you fool with. But your primary role is to support that family and to be there for them. Absolutely. And and that's always my first thing is, um, you know, I have resources. You know, we do the uh, traumatic loss resources that, you know, we've gone and, and gotten some education from them and, you know, being able to email that information to them. And if it's something that they need more of, then we always know that we can, you know, reach out to our family services like Nyla or Miss Libby, you know, at any time, day or night, you know, especially if there's someone that sounds like they need that, that lifeline right then and there that, you know, those grief resources can't help them that they actually need a, you know, a live voice, you know, someone to speak to. Um, so that's definitely always what we want to check in on them first. And what is it that they need from us? What can we do to support you and help you right now? And and your phone calls with those families are not time limited. If you need to take no. 15 minutes, you do. If it takes two hours, you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've had family members that have actually called back into the call center. Um, I actually had a family member, the wife of a, a donor. He was a donor back in February, and she reached back out to me, I want to say in either May or June. And it was a question about like the funeral home, like, you know, sending her a bill about transportation and something that was literally a three, four minute, you know, answer turned into an hour long conversation. Um, and, and basically her telling me that she has now become almost like a, a family, you know, care advocate or tissue donor advocate for Lopa. And she said that she's gone out into her community and she's had these conversations with other people. And she's like, let me tell you about my experience and let me tell you how good they were to me and my family during this time. And yeah, so it doesn't stop right then and there. Um, it, it continues on. Um, I know we had the family, you know, around last year for uh, Halloween that I, I took a, a call and they actually became like Lopez adopt a family around Christmas time. Um, and it was, um, I don't even know how to ex explain that experience of meeting that family. Um, it, it definitely changed my life and will be a change forever. Something that I always, you know, hold dear to me um, because they were so grateful to us and just couldn't stop thinking us. And I, I thought to myself, like, how are you thanking us right now? You know, but at that time they, they were thinking of someone else on how can I help somebody else? Yeah. Um, some families, this is a very um, unexpected, tragic event. And some families, this has been something that might have been like an ongoing illness to where they have been prepping themselves for this day coming. So, Siobhan, I'm not sure if you know my, my background with Lopa, but I started uh, as a recovery coordinator. And of course, one of our big roles as a recovery coordinator was family support. Uh, we were what we have now we split out the roles as family advocates, uh, but we were family advocates back then. And, and I remember it was the most honorable and difficult at the same time yeah. roles that I have played in, in Lopa since I've been here for 20 years. And it was like, I, you know, you, you mentioned sudden tragic, some of her expected in, in the, the families that I was able to help support. They were all tragic. Uh, and sudden, and um, and I remember 
it was the, all the things, you know, we, we try to teach uh, some of the tools to help support families as well as they can possibly be supported in that time frame, in that space. Uh, and I was at, at least able to pick up on nonverbals, you know, on some of the, the soft skills that, 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 you know, visual and then tone and things, I guess, you know, sitting there face to face, body language and things. Uh, I'm curious, you know, as to the differences with you guys, what, so what do you focus on or what are some of the things that, that you try to do to help support families in this difficult time of theirs? Yeah, like when you can't see them right. or, you know, touch them. It does make a difference because, you know, a lot of times you can if you're when you're in person and speaking to families, um, it's very different than reaching out to someone over the phone, someone that you can't give that hug to or actually lay your eyes to see, you know, what type of grief or to see them grieving, um, should I say. Um, so basically, um, you're listening and you're trying to see if there's anger. A lot of times it's, it's just kind of silent. There, is, uh, there are some times that it's a lot of tears and the kind of gasping for air and can't breathe. And mm. um, it tugs at your heart. Like I, I know it, it tugs at mine. Um, this year has been one of those years and also last year to where we've had quite a few um, you know, kids that have mm-hmm. passed away. And those are always the ones that I think personally, for me and some of my coworkers, that are are those that you have to just kind of like get up and walk away from me to the desk and kind of catch your breath. Because sometimes some of these, you know, families have no support, you know, um, they have no one around them. So you ask them, is there someone that I can call to to sit with you? And it's so painful to hear some of these families saying, I don't have anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then how blessed are they to have someone like you at that moment? Yeah. I, I would hope, you know, whenever they think about it, you know, once some time has passed that they say I was a blessing to them. Um, mm-hmm. Because even though sometimes I, I get those no's and declines and, you know, and it's just more or less because I can't do this now or I can't even think about this now. Um, I hope whenever they, you know, a few days go by, they say, at least she was nice enough to say, do you have other kids and can I send you some information? Um, Because that's one of the things that I always try to ask, especially those families that, you know, are younger that have, you know, it might be a a kid that will ask them, you know, ma'am, sir, do you have other kids? Or if it was someone with a grandparent, um, you know, is their grandchildren um, or they, you know, Sesame Street type age. Because I have, you know, lots of resources. You know, we have a Sesame Street program because, you know, death is not something that we know how to explain, you know, and, and how to have those conversations. Right. Yeah. Um, I know from, you know, the, the African-American standpoint, um, it's almost like a taboo. Um, it's just something that is not discussed. Why? I honestly don't really know. Um, I know coming from when I was much in my, my younger years, um, my mom's side of the family, they had um, a lot of in-home wake services and pretty much almost even the funeral service to where everything was done in-home. I don't know if it was a financial thing. I don't know if it was just like a belief thing on that side of the family, but literally to go into my aunt, like great aunt and great uncle's home and to see them like laying there in a coffin, and 
I can remember asking my mom, like, why are they here and not in a church? And it was always like, be quiet. Don't ask no questions. Like, I'll explain it to you later. Um, And also, I guess that kind of goes into that taboo thing, because I can remember going into getting like my permit for driving and getting that question, like, would you like to sign up to be an organ donor? And my mom was like, when they ask you that, like, say no. And I remember looking at my mom saying, like, why would why would you say no? Like, if it could help someone. And she was like, oh, she was like, they were always we were always told if you put that heart on your license and something happens to you, they will not work as hard to save your life because they just want to take something from you. Oh, our big myth that we have to battle, huh? The big, big yeah. myth. And I think it goes and it extends, you know, beyond the the African-American um, ethnicity group. Because um, I know I've had those conversations with, you know, other races and they're like, I have heard that too. Yeah. And it, it it's sad because it makes you wonder where it was that myth, you know, how did that ever start? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and sadly to say there isn't enough, you know, sometimes I think there's a lack of education in that department. And so sadly enough, those are conversations that don't get had. And so you can't correct it to say like, let me give you the the correct information, you know, mm-hmm. like not even before you get to that organ or tissue or eye donation standpoint, but just the overall like that's against, you know, a, a hospital code or something, you know, like or even an EMT standpoint, like they have to, you know, do every life saving measure that they, they can, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we know it's a myth, Siobhan, but do you think maybe some of that comes from there's a lack of trust in that, or, or we hear there's a lack of trust in the African-American um, community because of the um, inequity in health care? Um, and yes, Lisa, there is, um, you know, lots of, you know, miscommunication or um, not, you know, correct thoughts, I guess, to say, and I'll give you an example. Um, I remember years ago, whenever um, I was at my mo- my grandmother and grandfather's, and I remember, you know, playing with sidewalk chalk and him underneath the, the garage with me telling me, you know, Papa doesn't feel good. And I remember like stopping and looking at him um, because first of all, my grandfather was a man of, you know, very few words as far as ever talking about himself. Everything was about us. He was one of those people that would never even raise his voice at us. And I remember stopping and looking at him and saying, why don't you go to the doctor? And him saying, oh, no, like, we don't go to the doctor. And I stopped and I said, well, did you tell, which I call her Aunt Faye. She's my uh, aunt slash godmother who's been a nurse for over 40 years. And I was like, well, did you tell Aunt Faye? And he was like, oh, no. And he was like, and you can't tell her either. And I was so confused because basically he swore me to secrecy saying, you can't tell anyone what I told you. And I even remember him going a little bit further and saying like, Papa doesn't have much longer. And I remember thinking after he passed away, like if I would have said something. And so he was going out one morning to do his like normal every morning chores. And he was going to milk the uh, the cows. And, you know, my dad found him dead underneath the barn. And, you know, years later, of course, now we know that, you know, he had a heart attack. But I can remember some years later, um, my grandmother being a, a very, very bad diabetic. And it was always a struggle with her because she didn't have the trust with the doctors. And it was like, oh, they're just going to make up something. 
um, or send me for these tests, like to give my insurance money or, you know, just these odd thoughts in their head of like, they're going to misdiagnose me or tell me that I have this and it was to get more money out of me or just to keep doing tests to make me go back. And I, I just, you know, never understood it. But once I actually got, you know, became employed in the healthcare, um, I heard it more and more, like, you know, time and time again, and especially from, from black families. And it was like, no, they just want to, you know, admit me and put me in the hospital for nothing and, and run all these tests and, you know, give my insurance money or charge my insurance and, or the old fable that what you don't know won't hurt you. And if I'm sick, then I'll either make it or pull through, or that's just when, you know, my time will be up. And sadly, that's, it's always the black families that, you know, I hear it from, you know, from my own personal cousins and family members are also the families that, you know, we talk to over the phone. Yeah, we focus on education year round and especially National Multi-Ethnic Donor Awareness Month. Uh, we try to talk about just what, what you're describing there. What is your, your hope for this month that people learn or that they hear or that they know? I'm hoping that we can get, you know, more adequate and correct information out there and be able to get the the answers to those questions that maybe years ago, like, you know, older, older, you know, families, family members that didn't have the education or were just too scared to, to ask them or to talk, you know, maybe now with the, you know, the upcoming generations, like, Hey, like you have a voice, use it. What questions do you have? What concerns do you have? What myths have you heard that, I can answer and, and put your mind at ease, which, you know, are some of the same questions that I do ask, you know, whenever I do have those conversations over the phone. Um, and I know this year it's odd because I have had more multi-ethnic donors this year mm. than, you know, which I have not been at LOPA, you know, but a couple of years, but this year I've had, you know, Vietnamese and I've had, you know, Hispanic. And then, you know, of course I've, I've had African-Americans, but I can remember uh, my Vietnamese family earlier um, in the year, and I remember speaking to the cousin, the first cousin to the the young gentleman that I had, and so I remember using the language line and calling, and his aunt being, you know, just in tears and couldn't really understand her, and he came to the line and he said, you know, he introduced himself and he said, um, I know why you're calling, and so it kind of made me, you know, I guess pause for the cause, and I said. Okay, I said, like, have you had a loved one that, you know, you've, you know, heard from Lopa before that you, you know, and he was like, yes. And so he proceeded to tell me that um, he lost a brother either last year or the year before. And prior to his brother's passing, he had never heard of Lopa. And so he said, even whenever he would, you know, go to the driver's license place, like all, we all do, um, whenever they asked about the heart on the license, I couldn't remember exactly what he told me, but he said, up until that personal, own personal family experience, um, he had never heard, they had never heard of Lopa. Mm -hmm. And so he remembered how great care that, you know, we had taken care of his family, his brother, and, you know, all of the resources and, you know, the, the family services, you know, constantly checking on, in on them and, you know, it not hindering any way of them having like the funeral services that they needed. And he was like, let me talk to my aunt. 
and let me make her understand this is a good thing and the type of person that my cousin was and he was a giver and this is his way of continuing to give and so that was one of those times that you know how just like with advertising they said like advertisement like someone's good experience could be your best advertisement but someone's bad experience could be your worst yeah and so basically not to say he made my job so much easier but he did and it's because they had personal experience which was great so he was like let me talk to her and i'm gonna call you back and so, so long story domino short he did effect. call me back yeah and you know everything went well we you know got paperwork done and you know it was great um also had you know a, a hispanic family um same thing like he knew it was on his wife's license um he had a you know a younger family member that was there that um, along with the translator but someone that was there with him in the home that you know could explain it you know the questions to him more um in detail but he was like that's who my wife was she was a giver she always wanted to help so this is another way that she's still helping like you know her legacy was continuing on i like that and we're seeing more um news stories about it we're seeing more on social media about donation and how people came to donation are to promote or they know somebody who's waiting. Um, I know you've worked in the donation world for a couple of years, and I know you've been studying trends as part of our EDI group. Um, yes. Are you kind of hearing and seeing the same myths repeated over and over? Are we still in that area where we're trying to educate? I know that the biggest myth that I hear in the community is uh, if I have a heart on my license, they won't try to save my life. Is that some of the same thing that we're still seeing yeah. in 2022? Yes, um, sadly it is. It, it is still one of the, the biggest myths. Um, I've heard the, um, oh, they didn't know what they were signing up for, you know, and I get this from, you know, younger families in regards to their older, like, loved ones. They're like, oh, they didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, so we have that conversation. But, yes, pretty much, like, that's, that's the first thing. Um, and another one is I always get the question, which is so odd, like, do y'all pay for that? And it's like, do we pay for what? Like for your loved one to help someone like out in need? And they're like, yeah. And so it's like, no, like, you know, th this isn't something that you get paid for. And they're like, oh, well, no. Or they'll want to know, like, will you help us out with, you know, funeral arrangements or, you know, any aspect to where I guess it'll help them in a financial situation. And, you know, like I like to tell them, I do have, you know, information with, you know, low cost like funeral homes and, you know, different, different ones that, you know, could help you across the state. I could provide you with that information, but basically long story short, that's what it comes down to. Um, and as from the, you know, as a member of the EDI, uh, with it being multi-ethnic donor awareness month, I actually have, I'm going to be speaking to a local, um, here in the Lafayette area, Mr. Kenneth, and they call him Kenneth, keep him talking Boudreaux. He has a community talk hour, um, which I'll actually be on the radio with him on Sunday. Um, and just kind of getting some of that information out there and hopefully, you know, putting that myth more to rest. Helping people understand that it's not that something's being taken from their loved one. It's that their loved one is giving the gift. Yes. So we're not yes. taking anything away from somebody. Right. It's that that person's giving that gift. That's also the other thing is, you know, they're always like, oh, I want my loved one to go 
go whole. And sadly, I think that's more of a, a religious standpoint. And yeah, I don't know how you get into that conversation as far as going away whole. Um, I know we were always taught that whatever ailments, aches, pains that you had here, once you pass away and you know, you're, you're going on to heaven, you're going to be made whole again. So mm -hmm. I don't know how you, you have that conversation with someone on that religious standpoint, because um, it's just almost like some people that might be colorblind or might not see the same blue. You know, there a few years ago, there was that dress. Everyone was like, well, what color or what pattern did you see? Um, if y'all remember what mm -hmm, I'm talking yeah. about, and yep. everybody had what color had like and a watch. different <laughs> yeah. opinion. So yeah, it's like, how do you change that? Um, so I do know Miss um, Cheryl um, was supposed to be reaching out to. She said that she worked a few years ago or some years ago with a few doctors that were on this board, a uh, ethnic board um, regarding donation, and she did want to try to you know reach out to them. And to maybe like, you know, bring them on and for us to have a conversation, but also with some of the spiritual religious uh, leaders that she deals with and to say, how can we answer those questions? Mm -hmm. Like, how can we reach out to them and say, like, nothing in regards to donation will make your loved one any less whole, you know, by doing this? I know some people have use the examples of like, well, have you lost a tooth? Have you had your appendix out? Yes. So whole bladder. Yeah. So they, you right. know, you're right. going without those things and, and how does right. it, it compare? And, and again, like you said, I think you kind of answered your own question when you said, you know, you know, you believe that, you know, God's going to make you whole again, you know, your illness right. is going to be gone. And, and so, right. um, you know, just kind of following that trying to think and just to add you know of course me being the er nurse uh in my previous life we 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 never uh stopped and looked to see if someone had a heart on their license when we were trying to save their lives you know right i, I would get that even in the er and before right. i worked with lopa i would get some questions about that and we're like we don't care about that we we need your insurance right, <laughs> you right. Know? right. uh and, and which is terrible but you know that's 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 what you know you you we need to know what your medical history is what you're in for you know and 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 insurance or whatever that's what they're looking right. for in in the er when they're looking at a license or taking anything like that nobody's ever looking at a license and saying oh man he's got a heart on his on his heart. license well, and I'm the other pieces you can't you can't become an organ donor uh especially if if they've done nothing to try to save your life because the only way you become an organ donor is if they've done everything to try to right. save that person's life and the, you know of course we'll keep battling that that uh and trying to keep busting those myths but certainly right. with you especially going on to 95.5 and speaking to possibly my cousin kenneth uh, <laughs> keeping talking Boudreau. uh you know that's that's where it starts you know to be able to to, to those conversations those there, right yeah and then you're you're so calm and and collected and um and soothing and just to keep them talking and and keep it a possibility we had a lady at a, a health fair and she was actually diverting people away from my table because she said that she heard they took um it, it was eyelashes eyebrow like it oh, was wow. something something messed up and i said well that that didn't happen i don't even know you know wh where you're talking right. about but she was so passionate about it but i 
she didn't want to hear it in that moment, right? Right. And then later right. became one of our biggest supporters. She said, I just didn't know. And she was scared right. to talk about it or approach the subject. So it kind of sounds like the same evolution here uh, when you're talking about this, but the fact that you can start the conversation and kind of keep that conversation going, keep possibilities open. I think that's a positive. Right. Oh, and that's, that's even my, my goal and my mission away from work. Um, Cause I know I've actually been at like my primary care doctor, um, you know, every year for my, my checkup and labs and um, she's just a couple of years, you know, older than I am. And she's in the Youngsville area. So it was always more of a conversation with Dr. Strother. And she's like, Oh, at th that time I was at women's and children's and she's like, are you still at women's? And I'm like, no, like I work for Lopa now. And so she stopped in her chair and she's like, Lopa, I said, you know, the Louisiana organ. She's like, no, wait, wait. And she's like, seriously. And I was like, and I, I kind of stopped and I looked at her. I was like, yes. She was like, do you know how many times I get questions from my patients on what do I know about organ donation? And she says, I look at them and she says, I tell them, sadly, I don't know much. Like my job is to try to help you, you know, be here as long as possible, not the after effect. And so, you know, I do remember telling, you know, Dr. Strother, I was like, I can give you the information. Like we have community, you know, educators that, you know, have pamphlets, have, you know, the resources that, you know, if there's something that you would want to put here in your office or for them to come and have that conversation. So maybe you know better, you know, or how to answer that question better next time you're approached. I said, like, please let me know. Mm -hmm. So, and she was like, really? She says, you know, and that was the thing she didn't even realize that, you know, there was, I guess like the, you know, the community events and, you know, the education. And she was like, like thanks for at least telling me that. She says, because now if I'm approached about it, she says, at least I can say like, hey, like, go to like their website, like they can provide you with more information or you can reach out to someone that might be able to answer those questions for you better than I can. Cause you know, that's just not my area of expertise. So, um, and, and, and I think knowledge is key um, as it is with everything. So hopefully right, like yeah. on Sunday, if there's some questions and some, some ends and some periods to those wrong those wrong myths and long time myths to where people actually stop and listen and maybe start having more of that conversation, then it's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, I've said it before. Um, a lot of times I think with especially African-American families, uh, they kind of get that wall up and they're really standoffish whenever they see someone of another ethnicity approaching them, especially in those times, like, you know, something has happened and their loved ones are on these ventilators and, you know, they, they see someone that doesn't look like them approaching them saying, can I have a conversation or can I speak to you? So automatically that wall is up and in their mind, the probably the first thing they want, they're thinking is like, are you coming to try to give me a bill? Um, so it's like automatically, like one flag is raised, the second wall is up and it's hard for them to not have that automatic, like, no, I don't want to talk to you. No, don't talk to me, you know, type of attitude. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, hopefully if we can get some information out there and, and, and start letting them know ahead of that, you know, like, Hey, this is. And even with, with ours, you know, like we are some of the, the 
top people um, that need, especially, you know, kidney transplants. So how, how do we get our numbers down, you know, on those wait lists, also on the, the heart transplant list? How, how do we help those numbers? And this is some of the ways that those numbers can start to decrease. You know, someone yeah. that looks like you, looks like me, that might have, you know, the, the same blood type as you or me, you know, if we can get more of them to start saying yes, then that way the numbers will start to go down. Siobhan, we certainly appreciate you joining us here on the Gifted Life podcast, using your own experiences to help us help others. We have talked about uh, some of this uh, in previous episodes of The Gifted Life. We like to keep that conversation going. Uh, if you check out episode 140, episode 189, um, you'll get a real education on what it is uh, that we're trying to do here at LOPA and across the country. Uh, Siobhan, you're on the front lines of that, and we certainly appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, and thanks for everything that y'all continue to do. On the Gifted Life podcast, we take a moment for mental health. Yeah, this is a topic that I've thought about quite often, and I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. When is it time to seek professional help? Well, I wondered the same thing, so I did some research. And on the National Institute of Health website, there is actually some really good information. So, um, you know, people sometimes feel down and out and they get a little depressed, sad. And so you wonder, like, is this just like a phase or is this something I really need to address and maybe seek some professional help? So what NIH says is if you have mild symptoms that last for less than two weeks, maybe a little trouble sleeping, you're feeling down, but you're still able to get up and take care of yourself, um, parent your children if you have them. Um, and you're still able to get up and go to school, do your schoolwork, do your job, but you just are feeling down. The suggestion is there's some self-care activities that you can do to help. And I know on, you know, previous episodes, we always talk about the same thing. You know, people got to get up and move. You got to eat healthy. But it suggests engaging in social contact with people when you're feeling down, um, either virtually or in person. Um, and try to get some adequate sleep. Now, if you're having trouble sleeping or you're sleeping too much, the goal there is to set a schedule for your sleep so that you're getting the same amount of sleep each night or trying to. Talk to a trusted friend or family member um, and practice some meditation, relaxation, and mindfulness. Um, if these symptoms do not improve or you seem to get worse, despite these self-care things, then it's time to maybe seek a professional health care provider. So if your symptoms last two weeks or more with difficulty sleeping, you have appetite changes that um, where you're losing weight or gaining weight, unintentional weight changes. You're struggling to get out of bed because of your mood. You have you start having trouble concentrating, like you, you lose track of your thoughts. Or if you start losing interest in things that you normally enjoy. Maybe you normally enjoy watching a football game or you normally enjoy 
cooking or whatever you normally enjoy, if you start losing interest in that, um, and then if you begin to have trouble for performing your daily activities, like, you know, you're not get getting to work on time, you're getting laxed in your work and you're falling back. And then especially if you're starting to have thoughts of death and self-harm, that is when you need to seek professional help. And so people often wonder, well, where do I go? Well, I, I say you could start at the National Institute of Mental Health because they have a resource where you can get on there and Google and search to see providers in your area. The other thing you may need to look into is what, in, what your insurance covers um, and who your insurance, who's in, in your network, who's not. But if you are struggling, you can get on um, NIH, the National Institute of Health, and they have um, a mental health part of that and you can um, research and find you know some professional help and I've even seen um, more lately than not people even on social media like I just need help with this has anybody um, talked to somebody around here uh, especially for children starting the school year um, I've seen a lot more of that and lots of, of recommendations that ru- that run the gamut um, and so people, you know, I don't know if that's a great resource, but it's people in your own community. Yeah, I think that it have is used these because you know, if you know somebody personally and they've used somebody, you know, that's a really good start. Now, I will say this: when choosing healthcare providers, your first provider, you have to click with your providers, mm-hmm. and so you might. You know, you might not always click with the first person you you seek help with, and that's okay because personalities need to kind of go together. Mm-hmm. Um, but some, you know, sometimes maybe you're lucky. And yes, certain um, mental health professionals specialize maybe like in eating disorders, and someone may specialize in families, and some may specialize in trauma. And so um, you can kind of, most of the time when they advertise their services, they'll put their specialties. Mm-hmm. Um, and some just kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, so there are ways to kind of go, but social media is good again, because again, if you know somebody who's, who's had particular, um, success with a provider, then that's a great resource to go to, to, um, to seek them out. Yeah. And and I've seen just a lot of moms asking for children. So we have this issue. We're looking for a professional. Have you gone down that road? And so it's parents helping parents. And so um, it's kind of neat to see the the back and forth and let me hold your hand through this because we just went through that. Exactly. So, and then it's reaching out, you're, you're communicating with folks and yes, seems to work out. You know, I just caution people when you Google something, that's why I say go to like um, NIH, <laughs> a um, trusted the sort of. trusted sources <laughs> because for everything, there's, guys, there's for a everything. lot of wonderful information out there, a lot of great help, but there's also some stuff that um, make me a little nervous. And mm. so if you go to these reputable websites, they'll link you, they'll link you to other in your area to the right yeah. right mm-hmm. resources to the right resources yeah. with the right information. Um, and then I do want to mention just real quick. Recently, it just came out within the last was within the last month. I think a little less than that. There is a new suicide helpline. So, if you're in a crisis, all you have to dial is nine eight eight. There is a one eight hundred number, and that's on the NIH website as well. But all you have to dial is 
988. Yeah. It got a lot of traction, a lot of people talking, just the, the switch. Um, and it got a lot of people sharing, like, I'm just sharing this. Right. I saw case. a ton of it yeah. on, fa- mm-hmm. on Facebook and social media. And so that's a good thing. And another thing I discovered, another very good reputable website is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. That's a that's a mouthful. Yeah. So we in, in the mental health profession, we say SAMHSA, but most people don't know what SAMHSA mm-hmm. is. But it's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And on that website, again, tons of very good, helpful information about you know, talking with children about death. I mean, just it's broken down and you can kind of research everything. Again, they have resources about seeking help, um, you know, professional help there. But I, I discovered when I was perusing through that, there is actually an Office of Behavioral Health Equity. I just want to throw that in there that um, our government is making sure, are working really hard to make sure that we have health equity in services that are under-resourced. Um, and so, again, that'll be, all these links will be on our in our show notes, the link to National Institute of Health, and then the SAMHSA um, link, so that if you're interested, you can go and get some more information there, and um, and then it'll take you on a, a journey. There you go. All good information. Thank you, Miss Lisa. Maybe you have a topic you'd like us to cover here on The Gifted Life. All you have to do is email us, info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment, Laurie, this question is for you. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Came in from one of our listeners. Where can I find information about donation to share with my family? I love this. We've actually been getting lots of uh, questions just like this as the kids go back to school because they have to do research projects or or things like that. Folks tied to donations, so I always love it. So I'm going to put lopa.org slash donation out there first uh, since that is where we are housed. Lopa.org. Lots of information um, just about donation in general, how to sign up to be a donor. And then we offer services here uh, in Louisiana where you can invite us out to your place of business, to your church, to your Girl Scout meeting, to anything, basically, to have those one-on-one conversations. So we have our community educators. We have our clinical staff. We all team together to just uh, help you have a better understanding about what donation is all about. And it's really no pressure. Uh, We just kind of answer your questions and we have that conversation. We hope you take that information home. And we hope that we uh, get folks saying yes to donation. Um, You can also turn to Donate Life America. That's at donatelife.net. Another good one that that Lisa loves is organdonor.gov. So there's lots of sites out there that are trusted sites that you can turn to. And then each state has an organ procurement organization like LOPA uh, that can help walk you through the process as well. So there's a wealth of information out there. Our goal, I think, just across uh, the country, I'm safe in saying this, is that uh, we just want to help you learn about donation, and we hope that you see it in a positive light, and we hope that um, you take action and say yes to donation, and you get your family talking about it. So that's the goal. Lots of sites, um, but Lopa.org um, is our one-stop shop. And you can listen to the Gifted Life podcast to get a whole lot of information about donation. Lisa earned extra points. <laughs> Can't extra forget points. about the Gifted Life. <laughs> yep. So that was a great question. And so if you have any questions, please give us a call at 504-648-3477. And we'd be happy to answer them. 
In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Lyndon Gray. And we learn about Lyndon from his family. Lyndon was an amazing angel here on this earth. He was such a loving and giving little boy. He always helped others and put others first, and his legacy continued even in his untimely death. We only had him for 12 years, but they were truly 12 years of blessings. It was such an honor and a privilege to love this precious little boy. And so now we will pause and say thank you to Lyndon for the gift of life. That's going to do it for episode 194 of The Gifted Life. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, and thanks goes out to our own Siobhan Trahan for coming on and talking a little bit about what she does and especially for everything she does with those families and in throughout uh, the, the, her community and spreading all the education. As you mentioned, the power of one. She is it. Yeah, I enjoyed that conversation. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. Remember, you can register anytime as an organ, eye, and tissue donor at registerme.org. The best place to find us and please spread the word is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. And you can listen to us here and find links to listen on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. On social media, you can like our page. On Facebook, we're at the Gifted Life Podcast. On Twitter and Instagram, at Gifted Life Pod. Our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Until next time. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Nyla Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.